G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on Your Impactful Journey. Riley Batt is an elite athlete and a genuine bloody legend. He's the captain of the Australian wheelchair rugby team who won gold in London Paralympics in 2012 and gold in the Rio 2016 Paralympics and was the co-captain of the Australian Paralympic team in Tokyo just recently. I know Riley really well as I used to travel the world with him and the Australian Paralympic wheelchair rugby team when I was their soft tissue therapist. If you haven't seen wheelchair rugby played, and it's also known as murder ball, I highly recommend that you Google it. And also follow Riley on social media and watch some of the awesome ads that were shot before the Tokyo Paralympics. It shows the sport pretty well. It's bloody brutal, especially considering you have to have uh, four limbs affected to play it, to be classified, to be able to play wheelchair rugby. And most of the athletes are quadriplegic, so it's bloody brutal for those guys. This episode was recorded when Riley was spending two weeks locked up in a hotel room in Sydney doing his time in quarantine after returning home from the Tokyo Paralympics. So the first part of this, the first half of the episode is talking a lot about Riley's sport and some of the worst results that his team has ever experienced at the Paralympics since he's been playing and a lot around the mindset, mindsets of success and defeat. The second half of the episode, we dive deep into Riley's disability and you know some of the things he chats about where when he was in his mum's womb, they had no idea that he was disabled until he came out and what that journey looked like and, and how his upbringing helped shape him into this unbelievable human that he is. Even he'll explain his disability, but even without his legs and uh, limited use of hands, he rides quads bi- quad bikes and jet skis and drives and everything that he does it's it's bloody inspiring so it's a great chat with riley and you know he's just a great all-round human i'm sure you'll get a lot of value from this one if you're enjoying the podcast and you haven't given it a five-star rating and review on itunes or apple podcast player or wherever you're listening to the show please jump on and do so it only takes a couple of minutes and it just goes a long way to ensuring that i can continually secure great guests for you legendary listeners that I would be super grateful to, to see those popping up. Okay, now let's hear from the legend himself, Riley Bat. Riley Bat, you bloody legend, long time no see. Welcome to your life of impact. Cheers for having me, Robbo. It's been a long time, buddy. It's uh, You've grown a bit more facial hair since uh, the days that we were hanging out last time. <laughs> I've got to hide the double chin somehow, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so you're actually sitting in hotel quarantine as we speak. You've just uh, got back from the Tokyo Paralympics and you're day 12 of 14 in the hotel quarantine. How's, how's it been for you, mate? How's hotel quarantine treated you or how have you treated it? <laughs> oh, mate. Um... The first week was pretty good. Uh, it's a 14-day it's a mandatory hotel, hotel quarantine, so obviously can't socialise with anyone else, can't leave your room. Um, it is pretty tough. 
and especially after coming back from the games. But yeah, the first seven days was um, pretty easy, to be honest. I worked full time as well. So just logged on my laptop and, um, and and got through and powered through some emails and getting back to fans and and whatnot throughout the games. But uh, the last few days have been tougher. It's uh, been just, you know, you, you can see the end, but you just got to take it one day at a time. But I think it's all about routine. Um, I've got a ski erg in the, in the room here and uh, making sure, you know, I'm keeping myself active. I'm probably eating a little bit too much because of the boredom. <laughs> but hey, <laughs> I'll, um, I'll make sure I, I do my best to wear that off when I get out. But uh, yeah, it's just all about consistency and routine in here, I think. Is this the first time you've come back from a Paralympic campaign and you've been training within the first week? <laughs> on the ski yeah it's usually straight with the boys and having a few beers mate it's, uh, it's very weird it's very weird not to do that but uh it, unfortunately it's just the, the the world we're living in and especially you know australia's strict rules so um yeah almost there mate i i was i was mentally pretty scared um about the thought of doing this uh prior to the games and it actually sort of um impacted me a fair bit so um, I'm here, I'm getting through it. Yeah. Day 12, uh, not long to go. What was it that, that fear that you talk about what the, the quarantine, cause you, you put yourself through a fair bit in your sport and you've dealt with a lot and you had a whole 12 month period of the games being delayed. What was it? The fearful part that you said that, that hit you pretty hard about hotel quarantine. I think the, <laughs> this is a hard one to, to talk about, but I think the whole Paralympic games is a little bit of fear for me personally. Um, you know, with the the delayment for that year, that extra trying to find that extra motivation, um, digging deep for you know what what was a five year cycle, not just a four year cycle, and it mentally just took its toll on me. Um, you know, I knew that I knew it was coming. I was excited for the games, but it's just trying to edge yourself closer. It was very tough, and especially after being you know playing the game for twenty years and and you know just had no breaks um, as well in that five year cycle and no holidays, so was definitely pretty burnt out, but, um, you know, I was excited about the games. Obviously I knew there was going to be challenges with, with COVID and, um, been locked in our Australian allotment, um, you know, not going to the food court, um, not being able to interact with other countries, not being able to bring our family over there, no crowds. That was, that was hard to take, but I sort of, uh, worked my way, you know, mentally into just accepting that. But the hard thing for me was the two week period right at the end, because, there's a thing called the post-game blues and uh, it, it is a real thing. Um, you know, Robbo, that we've been very successful as a team over the last sort of 13 years and we've, we won the 2012 and 2016 um, Paralympic Games and, and got that gold medal. Um, and, you know, we're on top of the world. It's, it's an amazing feeling. But you come home and you do get a little bit of depression and you get the, uh, the post-game uh, blues. It is a real thing. And I sort of deep down knew that our campaign was going to be really hard in Tokyo due to us not playing together uh, for two years without strict lockdowns. So I knew it was going to be tough for us. And, you know, if we didn't get that gold, what was, you know, a reality um, coming back with your own thoughts for two weeks of quarantine really scared me. Um, and it, it really scared me, but uh, you know, I've just, I've just taken it one day at a time uh, since I've been in here, there has been times where I'm getting a bit anxious and um uh, just, just want to get out. And, and that's because I'm a country boy at heart and I live on a few acres and I just, I can do whatever I want pretty much, you know, I can go out and ride motorbikes. I can just hang out with my mates in the backyard, you know, whatever, whatever you do. Um, I can do that. But here I'm sort of stuck in a concrete jungle in the middle of Sydney overlooking a, um, 
uh, tram line, what they're doing tram works at the moment and hearing jackhammers and uh, concrete saws all day. So it's not the peace and quiet I'm used to, but uh, it just, it just is a probably a time in life where I am very thankful for, for where I live and, 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 and my life in general. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. It's interesting times. And um, you know, I've got my own viewpoint on the, the disappointment to the Australian government for bringing in quarantine. We live here in Sweden and to see a country treat a virus like a virus and then uh, to see Australia and, and what they're doing. I mean, you know, it's, it's what the good thing is, is that you guys were able to go and compete. So what about, um, I want to kind of address that 12 month delay because what people don't realize is it's kind of the job that you guys had, it, it, you know, your sport is your life and you have this 12 month delay and you dealt with it really well. And, you know, there's ups and downs and there's um, pressures and shit like that. But what people don't understand is that it's kind of like you didn't lose your job, but you still had to turn up to training with no competition. So it'd be like, I don't know, a tradie going out and swinging the hammer, but there's no nails to hit. And they, they, they never complete a, uh, a project over that whole period of time. So they don't get that satisfaction uh, over that time. So tell us um, how that was and then going into let's talk about Tokyo as well how different that was with all of those restrictions that you mentioned yeah well obviously everyone's been affected um, you know since the start of was it March 2020 when it really hit mm. especially in Australia and obviously everyone's been affected um, and sports the same it's been affected it's, it's especially team sport um, and I can only speak on behalf of our team here um, but it, it has been a challenge, a massive challenge. And, you know, we're, we're the world number one uh, and we have been for so many years and um, we were in great form in 2018 um, to end of 2019. We're in great form. Um, we did a little bit of a rebuilding competition at the start of 2020. Um, so it didn't, it wasn't really a um, high pressure sort of high intense um, tournament for us. We we're just working on different things. And then COVID hit. Uh, and, and that was really hard to take mentally for us as a team because we had so many different events lined up. We were heading to Japan two weeks after it hit in Australia and then off to, uh, I think we are off to Canada and possibly back to Europe and then to, of course, Tokyo for the Paralympic Games. So we had it all planned. Uh, and Australia has a really, we, we've been so successful because we actually have a really good plan leading into the Games where we peak at the right time. So when COVID hit, we, we, we got a week off training. It was amazing. <laughs> Didn't know what to do with ourselves. It was actually sort of, uh, it was a bit exciting. And then we had to start training again, uh, like any athlete uh, does. And um, we were just training at home. Um, we were doing online Zoom sessions with our whole team, our strength and conditioning coach, and just knocking over our training. Eventually, then when it opened up again, we could go back into our sporting wheelchairs, our wheelchair rugby chairs, and and go train individually and no contact was the rule. So that was another, you know, tough thing for us when we're so used to the contact. We did this for pretty much the whole of 2020. So for us as athletes, we thrive off competition. We thrive off that competitive nature and representing Australia or representing our state or whoever we represent. And that was taken away from us. Yes, we were representing Australia and it's training for Australia, but we had no goals in sight and, and, and nothing to show for our training. So, you know, since March, 2020, I feel like, you know, we've just been obviously finished the, the Tokyo games, but I have not competed at all, have not been on the train with the whole team at all since that time. And it's been a grind and you just don't know where you're at. You know, we don't have a stop clock, I guess, to, 
sit there and see what time we're doing and see if we're getting better. It's, it's a whole team gelling together. And, and it was, um, it was very tough mentally. And um, there was starting to doubt was starting to creep into our minds because we saw our you know competitors from overseas. Yes. They're dealing with COVID as well, but probably wasn't as strict as we were here in Australia. So, you know, I'm seeing great Britain versus Denmark and Sweden and, and France and all these countries playing in Europe. Well, I was so jealous of obviously, and well done to them. I'm seeing America being in massive training camps. I see Canada flying over to um, Japan to play some games. So the whole world was playing against each other and training. Mm. And, you know, we're number one, the team that, you know, everyone wants to beat and we're just locked away, um, training like individuals, uh, not as a team. And then, so obviously uh, the result at Tokyo kind of speaks for itself. Do, Do you feel like that that is... Is that the biggest player in in the results that you guys got? That you weren't able to play as a team, you weren't able to play internationally. You just, you know, like you said, you can't play it. You can't just turn up and put people together without having played together and expect a team sport to operate well as a team. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because you don't want to take anything away from any other team who um, ha, has has done all the right things and competed to the best of their ability. So. Yeah, Tokyo campaign, uh, campaign for us. Um, obviously, we wanted to defend our, our last two Paralympic gold medals and the silver from 2008 as well. So we've been in every major event final since 2008. And, you know, we're very proud of that run. So we definitely wanted to get there again. Uh, unfortunately for us, um, we started our campaign really bad with a, a loss against a really strong uh, Danish team who are in form because they've been playing. And to be honest, I know personally, I felt like it was unnatural out there. It, it just felt like I've never played before. And as fit as I was and as strong as I felt, I just I just couldn't think a play ahead. I couldn't think what my teammates were doing. I couldn't think what I was doing. So it was really weird. I haven't had that experience um, since I can remember. Um, you know, so that sort of set the tone for us. And unfortunately, our, our, our tournament didn't go the best. We, we got a, a good win against a strong French outfit, but lost in the, the semi-final against America and lost in the bronze medal match against um, Japan, both absolutely amazing teams in their own right. And, you know, it, it was tough for us, um, you know, just every game we, we were nipping at their heels. We, we were starting to come back. We we're starting to gel, but we're just behind the eight ball. And um, also during the tournament for us, one of our players went down ill and, um, and wasn't and wasn't wasn't allowed to play. The doctors ruled him out. So this meant that we couldn't run our best or most competitive lineup that we have won gold medals before and world championships with. So another thing sort of hit us. And um, yeah, we you know we tried, we we fought, we we did the best we possibly can. But unfortunately, um, you know, I didn't couldn't come home with a medal. So yes, it hurts. Um, it's a little bit disappointing, but we also got to remember the two years we've had. Uh, we also got to remember that we're lucky that the games are even on where they could have been, can- been cancelled. We're also lucky that uh, as an Australian Paralympic team, we were allowed and granted from the Australian government to be able to fly over to the Tokyo Games where, you know, some people can't even fly between states at the moment to see their, you know, sick or dying relatives. So mm. you feel a little bit guilty there. Um, but we also got to um, think of it in a big perspective where we're very lucky to be able to do what we love in this pandemic. 
Yeah. Um, don't feel guilty, mate. It's not you that allowed the rules to go and it's not you that makes the rules that people can't go. So if anyone's comparing themselves to you and they're, and they're um, feeling, you know, let down by you, then they're looking at the, the picture wrong as well. So definitely don't feel guilty. I know that it comes from good morals there. One thing that you said there about, um, you know, you couldn't really think a move ahead and you felt like for the first time, probably since you ever started that you you know, you hadn't felt like that on the court before. And one, one saying that I love is success leaves clues. And one of those clues is consistency. And those years where you guys were consistently on the podium from 2008 up until now, or up until the last championships that you're actually able to play in, that consistency is a massive clue, not consistently winning, but consistently training together, consistently competing well, consistently going through the travel routines because what people listening wouldn't understand as well is um, especially for quads, quadriplegics to travel and the, you know, the, the higher possibility of UTIs and, you know, different infections and things like that to, to get your strongest team on the court every time over those periods of time, that in itself. And I know this from traveling with you guys for years, like that in itself is a massive achievement. So um, that it, a no brainer why the COVID impact has impacted you guys as a team so much for not being able to go through those processes. Yeah, it's um, routine is key. I totally agree with you there. And for us, yeah, being out of routine from traveling, it was actually nice to have a break from traveling after so many years of flying around every second week and uh, being international interstate. So it was actually good to spend some time at home. I've got a lot done, to be honest, mate. Yeah, I could <laughs> but, imagine. <laughs> um, as a team, yes, it was It was totally out of routine um just um you know wheelchair rugby is a very strategic game and so many key factors come down to to winning that game it can be won in by one point in the last minute um that's what i think people love about the sport of wheelchair rugby and yeah like you know just last play efforts um you need to be on song with those things and you need to have high pressure situations under your belt as well and we just hadn't had those high pressure situations like some of the other teams have had and you know, really intense training camps. Uh, I live in Port Macquarie, so it's a rural town in between sort of Sydney and Brisbane. And I'm lucky enough that I have uh, another Australian player, Andrew Edmondson, living with me. And we have our trainer who reports to our head strength and conditioning coach um, who trains with us on a daily basis. And, you know, we, we were smashing ourselves on a daily basis fitness-wise. And we felt really fit. We felt really strong. Our times were really good. Our strength numbers were really good. We were trying to replicate high pressure situations, um, thinking under fatigue, um, you know, thinking under um, pressure, as I said before. And it was so hard. You had to be so creative. And I was pretty happy with what we came up with, but nothing beats the real thing. And and it's like getting an NRL team or an AFL team to train at home, isolated, not as a team for, for two years and then come mm. out and try to beat a team who's been playing. Like, I don't, I don't care how fit and how strong you are. That's going to be a massive challenge, but mm. yeah, it, it is what it is, Robbo. Uh, we can't do anything about it. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we did pretty well to come fourth, I think. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. That's it. And uh, looking forward, just thinking about that creativity. Did you get some some of your mates on the four wheelers and you were in the, the rugby chair going in between those? Is that how you're creating some intensity without having the, <laughs> <laughs> the courtside intensity? <laughs> don't get me don't get me thinking about jumping on a quad, mate. I've got a few more days until I can get home. Yeah, you've only got a couple um, more days, exactly. <laughs> um yeah, mate, there was, some, there was some good drills there, some really high-pressure situation. We were actually getting able bodies who are running around us, like trying to smack the ball out of our hands or, you know, smack our arms when we are trying to pass, just trying to make it even harder than would have been a real game. But mm. it was very, very hard to replicate. Yeah, of course. You can't replicate two wheelchairs flying at each other and smashing each other and then needing to make decisions and accuracy with passes and things like that. Mate, um, we – so I – I mentioned there before I traveled with you guys and we uh, we had some good results. I think I started with you guys in 2009 and then 2010 we were in Canada. I think was it Canada Cup we won and then we got silver at the World Champs in Vancouver in 2010. And then um, 2011 I transitioned into full-time coaching with the Australian Paralympic track and field team. And it was after that you guys went on to win the 2012 uh, gold and the 2016 Rio Paralympic gold. So I don't know, it was only when I started writing that down before I chatted with you today that I thought, oh, the, we minus me from the equation and the, the boys got better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if that was you started the, the trend, mate, or... Oh, there you go. You we'll go with that one. <laughs> what, what one are we going to go with? Uh, Robo, we still had you in spirit in our team, mate. Every time we won a tournament... Um, you gave us a gift once and it was a, a Corona bottle opener. Uh, if you remember, so you always Absolutely. came out afterwards just to celebrate and have a beer with us, mate. <laughs> it was a good, yeah, because you you guys got into the the tradition. It was always the beers after the game and to, to have that bottle opener. So I'm glad that, that uh, it's nice to hear that that's still around. Hopefully you pull it out when you get out of quarantine a bit as well. <laughs> mate, um, for everyone listening, can you just tell us a little bit about your your actual disability. So we've sort of talked about the sport now, but tell us about your disability and how it was that you kind of got into the sport because I know that you had a bit of a fear about or a, um, a disbelief about getting into wheelchairs when you were younger as well. Yeah, so I was born with a limb deficiency. So it's a type of deformity where it means I was missing uh, both my legs, um, my left leg a lot shorter than my right, both very high, so obviously above knee. And I have some deformed hands as well. So my hands have two fingers on the, um, on the right with a thumb. Um, those two fingers were created through surgery um, between sort of one and three years old. And on the left, I had uh, one sort of deformed finger. They made two fingers out of what have been absolutely incredible in life, to be honest. And they've done the job. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of surgeries when I was young. Um, when I should go backwards a little bit here. I'm sorry. When... When uh, mum was pregnant with me, um, no scans showed that I was missing any legs or any fingers. So when I entered the world, it was a huge shock for my mum and dad and my grandparents that I was born with this disability. So it was a tough time for them, but they really adapted well and just accepted me for who I was and, um, and didn't want a sob story. So growing up, I guess I, I got that attitude off of them and my dad was a very competitive person and still is a very competitive person and mom's just a you know gentle soul so i had the best of both worlds there uh growing up obviously you're crawling and you know by the time everyone starts walking you know i was just obviously still crawling around and 
my parents tried to get me on prosthetic legs when I was about three or four years old. And it was tough. It was really tough with my sort of limb length to try to walk on these. Mm. So I sort of tried a little bit, but gave them the old, uh, I'll, I'll try again another time. My, um, my pop was a huge influence in my life. So uh, he, he, he had a farm on the Hawks River in Sydney and got me on a kneeboard, you know, behind boats when I was two or three years old, uh, bought me my first four wheeler when I was three. And, you know, I, I just remember these times and this was, this was a fantastic time in my life where I sort of learned that, Hey, you can, you can give anything a go and, and you can achieve this. So I'm very thankful for what my pop did to me. Um, yeah, as I got older, obviously school was a big worry. My parents wanted me to go on these prosthetic legs, but all my friends were on skateboards at the time. So I used a skateboard as a mode of transport to get around school. Uh, did that for many years. Actually won two skate, skateboard competitions, but I'm very proud of. <laughs> I don't know if Brilliant. it's a sympathy vote or what, Robbo, <laughs> but hey, I'll claim that, mate. Um, I remember my parents tried to get me in a wheelchair when I was probably about eight or nine years old. And I, I pretty much straight, straight up said to them, you can get me a wheelchair, but I'm not going to use it because dis- uh, wheelchairs are for disabled people and I'm not disabled. So I obviously, you know, growing up didn't really, you know, I knew about my disability, but it wasn't affecting me as, as much as most people would think. And then there came a time where you go to high school and when you go to high school, you're obviously worried about what people think of you. Um, you know, you're worried about girlfriends, you're worried about what other friend groups do, you know, you got all these different schools coming together and I was really scared. Um, I went to high school the first year on my, skateboard and during that year there was a school sport at the local pcyc called wheelchair rugby it was hosted by a local paralympian called tom kennedy and he he saw me at this school sport and tried to get me in this wheelchair and once again i said no that's for disabled people i'm not jumping in it so uh, a few weeks went on and i just continued not to uh, to jump in that wheelchair and I remember going on a uh, family vacation with my dad uh, down at Harrington and I used to have this off-road skateboard. So I you know, rode the skateboard down um, down the dirt track to the this secluded beach and threw my skateboard in the in the bushes and crawled down the uh, beach looking like a crumb cutlet and went for a swim for a few hours, mate, and came back up and went to jump on my skateboard and some bugger had stolen it. So that was a, a huge turning point in my life where I went, you know what? let's let's give this kryptonite you know this wheelchair a go what's the worst that's going to happen i jumped in this wheelchair um played wheelchair rugby against all my able-bodied friends and for once in my life felt like i was on the same level playing field as everyone else and had an absolute ball and from then on mate um i accepted that wheelchair i sort of you know wheelchair rugby blossomed for me but i also used a wheelchair at, at home or in my everyday life and it was a huge turning point in my life, you know, obviously a lot better, you know, hygienically through school, um, a lot more socially uh, accepted as, a, as someone on a, on a wheelchair than I guess a kid cruising around with uh, cut up hands on a skateboard. So um, it was an awesome time in life, but moving forward a few years, you know, obviously, um, obviously, you know, having a disability as a teenager, it, it, it started to eat at me and I was, I was pretty, dis- uh, you know, sort of disappointed who I was and a bit, a bit embarrassed at who I was, even though I was in that wheelchair and it was better than a skateboard. So it took me many years to accept who I was, Robbo. Um, 
I think by the time I was probably 20, 21, I actually started to come out of my shell and just went, this is me, this is who I am and, um, you know, deal with it. And to be honest, living life now, I'm very glad that I was probably, you know, born this disability because I've got to experience so much in life and um, I, I probably wouldn't have experienced this stuff if I had legs or was an able-bodied child. And, you know, I've had to work more for things. I've had to overcome different obstacles and, and I think that's a, a great value in life. So yeah, sitting here today with my disability, you know, using a wheelchair on a day-to-day basis, I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of the wheelchair, I'm not embarrassed one bit. Um, and I'm just, I, I'm glad I, I, I am who I am. I absolutely love hearing that part of it where, you know, you kind of lived in victim mentality for a while. And then when you f- flipped into acceptance, that's when everything really started to change. Because I think people listening, any of us able-bodied people listening, um, we can relate to that because it's easy for us as human beings to fall into victim mentality if something happens to us. Um, you know, whether it's relationship breakups, whether it's um, adversities, like I've experienced major adversities, whether it's injuries, whether it's, you know, pandemics, whatever it might be, it's really easy for humans to slip into victim mentality. But I think to hear you talk about going into acceptance for for your disability in that way is it should be a really good, um, inspiring kind of piece for, for people to to take from that into our lives as well. One other thing, around that do you feel like that because you said around 2021 before you really started to to move into that space do you think in the sport of wheelchair rugby and seeing other people with a disability and quadriplegics coming through that you felt was it the community piece where you felt um more grateful for the opportunities you had with the disability or how did that community piece sort of shape up for you being in a seeing being in a team sport of wheelchair rugby but then seeing other people coming through with disabilities yeah um sport gave me a lot of confidence um it, it opened my eyes to the world you know being able to travel not only australia travel the world seeing different countries different people with disabilities um and how they've moved on with their life. Um, you know, obviously some stories out there that I, I am actually amazed how these people have overcome it so well, you know, well done to them. You know, they've had some tough times and they're still as happy as anything, getting along with their lives, getting on with their lives um, in a wheelchair. Some have um, are fairly impacted disability-wise, some uh, aren't as impacted as, as others, but it's... Um, it's definitely an eye opener, mate. And, you know, with my disability, I look, I'm, you know me, Rob, I'm pretty, I'm pretty active. I'm pretty able, you should probably say. Um, and I'm very lucky uh, for, for who I am and what I've got, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these athletes that I compete against and, um, you know, this isn't just wheelchair rugby. This is, you know, <laughs> Paralympics worldwide or anyone with a disability. So many of these, these athletes or these people have, had the world at their fingertips, you know, being a 14, 15, 16 year old. And you remember those years, it's a, you know, you just, it's just, life is just so enjoyable and you, you can do whatever you pretty much want, you know, sport wise and whatnot. And they've had an accident uh, of some sort and they're hospitalized, you know, they, let's say broken their necks um, and lost 80% of their function in their body. You know, I need to consider myself lucky Yes, I was born with a disability and a lot of people go, oh, poor you, Riley. But 
I'm happy with my life. I am who I am. This is how I was born. I haven't had an accident or I haven't had something taken away from me. To have something taken away from you when you're at the prime of your, you know, of your life, that must be tough. And to see these guys rebound and be so positive um, and upbeat and mentor others, you know, what have I got to complain about? Yeah, it's super powerful. And that was one thing that I took from it as well as an able-bod stepping into Paralympic sport and being super inspired by it just to see. Um, it's not a comparison thing to say, oh, if they can do it, then I can do it. It's a it's a full inspiration of like getting, like I say, getting out of that victim mentality and just seeing what is possible for the human being when you actually put yourself in the right mindset and then in the right environment and just say, it's not about what happens to us. It's about how we choose to respond. And that was a huge thing that I took from that. And that's what I, I hear you saying. And that's you going through life with a disability as well. So super powerful in that way too, mate. Um, one thing I just saw you stretching there and uh, the sort the ski erg in the background. I'm just going to flip back to that for a sec. How did you get a ski erg into your room? Did you have to pre-organize that? <laughs> did you get someone to Yeah, I I Got a bit of ADD, mate. So I know I have to do a, you know, a fair bit of uh, exercise in my room every day while I'm in quarantine. Otherwise, I'll go stir crazy. And there's only so many push-ups and sit-ups you can dips you can do, mate. <laughs> so um, yeah, organised to get a ski erg, and you know how big they are. So um, so did you just uh, ask the hotel or the the Paralympic? I, team I to found a company. It? Yeah, I found a company who were delivering. They said, "Yep, we can get it." through to your door but are you going to be able to get it into your room i said yeah no worries no worries at all and they, they didn't believe me but little do they know i i've just recently uh, bought a crossfit gym um so i've got a few of these ski ergos uh, ski ergs uh in the gym and i move them around fairly often so i knew how to move them but it was pretty funny in hotel quarantine you know they're not allowed to come to your door um so they're sort of peeking their heads around the corner watching me drag the ski erg through oh, the geez. through the door and <laughs> under all the um the the fountain the um security water things in the roof so i've uh, got in there pretty easy mate it's uh probably quicker than most but uh oh, that's not a worry classic. about getting it out though that's a classic mate moving forward talking about um you in personal life do you so you said you bought a crossfit gym uh, and you know, you, you, you ride dirt bikes, you're, you're an active bloke, you've, you know, you're behind the boat or all that kind of stuff. Um, so what does the immediate future and the long-term future look like for Riley Bat? Oh, uh, it's a tough one, buddy. I've been asked this a lot. My plan is for the rest of this year is just to give back to my family who has given me so much, especially in the last five years, you know, the sacrifices they've made and, you know, sort of the family vacations and uh, family days that I've taken away from them that I, you know, that it really hurts. So I just want to be able to give back to them and, um, you know, give them some holidays and um, go explore more of Australia that we absolutely love to do and just go out to lunch and go away. Yeah, just go away for a weekend in general. So I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to doing that with my family. But uh, also, yeah, at the start of this year, just to add some more stuff to the plate in the Paralympic year, I decided to buy a CrossFit gym with my wife, Crystal. So, um, yeah, we bought North Brother CrossFit, which is uh, in Lauriton on the mid-north coast in New South Wales. And I bought it because of the community. And mm. I love community. I've brought up in my whole life. And you need to find the right community. And, and I think I found the right community. Now, CrossFit can get a bit of a bad name sometimes with some 
different CrossFit gyms with um, sort of a bit of egos and whatnot and just making sure this one definitely doesn't have that and we're just there for the same reason. That's just to better ourselves and to push each, push each other. You know, we're not competing against each other. We're pushing each other. So it's been fun. It's It has been fun. And I am i haven't been allowed to uh, train in CrossFit yet because my head SNC wouldn't let me in a panel for ear just in case I got injured. But I'm looking forward to getting home and doing CrossFit classes with the community. Uh, I'm also a coach as well. So I'm looking forward to learning more about coaching. And I'm also going to look into more into uh, adaptive coaching. So Brilliant. coaching people with disabilities um, uh, or people who just uh, just need um, more of a variety in life, I guess, with working out. So really looking forward to that. And I think CrossFit uh, for me, um, just ticks all the boxes. So looking forward to doing that, mate, and building on that gym. Um, but uh, also, yeah, looking forward to getting out on the um, on the on the motorbike back into the bush, my happy place. Uh, rolling out the swag out in the bush as well, around a campfire, having a few beers. It's been a long time since I've done that, Robo, and they're just the small things in life that I just absolutely love. Yeah, well said. And that family time with your wife and your, your stepdaughters too, people who aren't involved in high performance support don't actually understand how much you, you know, you can say sacrifice, but it's true. So you choose that. And um, what that means is though, that there's not that ability to even the small things, like you said, going out for lunch more often because you've got two training sessions in a day, you got to watch what you're eating or going away for a weekend because you know, you can't afford to, to not do the proper training sessions and things like that. That's the commitment that you make. So I fully understand that. And then not to put any pressure on you, but I guess after that, that's when you'll kind of decide what the future looks like in terms of your sport, go and go and live your life for a little bit. And then by the end of the year or next year, you can then make a decision around that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like my wife's really supportive. She just says, it's, it's up to you, whatever you want to do, I'll, I'll support you. And I can't thank her enough for that. But, you know, I also said to her in 2020 that at uh, 2012, that I was going to retire from the sport. <laughs> so, well, that was Yeah, I said I was going to retire and then I said it after Rio and then I said it after here, but after Tokyo, but um, look, I, I've done the sport now for t- almost 20 years, Robo. And mm. it, it is, it is a challenge to, to, to get the training every day, you know, yeah, you've got, you know, that you're competing for Australia and, you know, you're captaining Australia. Now a co-captain of the whole Australian Paralympic team and, and I was flag bearer as well for the Tokyo Games. So, you know, I've got so much there that I, I'm, I'm motivated for, but it's still hard to get to training uh, every day because I've done the, I've done the same things for 20, almost 20 years. So that's where CrossFit's going to come in. I'm going to do a bit more of that workout and see if I can change my body shape because it's sort of just been the same routine for so many years that nothing really affects it. So um, I'll see how that goes. And then next year I'll uh, make a decision. I, I still want to be in Paralympic sport or in, in Australian Paralympics in general. I don't know what I'll be doing, uh, what kind of role, but I still want to be there because I absolutely love the community. Uh, and I just don't know if it's wheelchair rugby still, um, but... I'm just hoping the next three, four months with a bit of a different training mentality will I'll see results and then I'll get that hunger back. But, you know, I, I, you know, I might take six months off. I might take a year off, but yeah, I probably yeah. will be back. <laughs> I, I fully understand it. And I can't believe that you even contemplated after London that you, you would retire after winning a gold medal like that. And then Rio, I know why you went on after Rio when, 
what is it? Double overtime um, and winning by one point in Rio to win the gold medal. It's you can't like you can either one retire off that or just go. You know what? The buzz and that feeling and what you live for and train for your whole life. It's I can understand why athletes just keep going. Yeah, we're we're wired weird, aren't we, Robbo? Where um, you know, we we get that taste of success and. You know, I just remember winning those gold medals from London and Rio and it's just, oh, you know, the moment doesn't last as long it. as, no, you can't, but just the moment doesn't last as long as most people would think, but geez, it's a good moment. And, you know, just for that two days worth of just absolute, I don't know, cloud nine, yeah. <laughs> we beat ourselves up for four years. <laughs> Yeah, we're a bit weird, us athletes sometimes. No, no, it's wired strong, not weird. And and those couple of days <laughs> afterwards, just as you were saying that, I was thinking, yeah, I remember um, I remember winning World Cup in 2010 and the night after that, I remember hiring limousines in Vancouver when we got silver medal in the World Champs and we had a bloody good night there. I remember partying on with you in London after the gold medal and uh, – yeah, so, you know, it's those small little party times. But what I was actually referring to is like what you were saying is that buzz around and that that high of, yeah, we dedicate our lives to this and this is what it's all about. It's yeah. awesome. And that's why we do it, mate. We absolutely love it. Mate, um, before we wrap up, you have the documentary that came out, um, Rising Phoenix. Do you want to just tell us all a little bit about that and where we can find it? I, I play a small part in a documentary. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Rising Phoenix uh, documentary that came out last, last year, mid last, last year, I think year, it was. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's on Netflix. Uh, so um, I know if you don't have Netflix, you can do a free trial and check it out. It could potentially still be on YouTube. I know they released it on, uh, on YouTube during the Paralympic Games. It still might be on there. Um, look up Rising Phoenix. It's got some fantastic stories in it from different athletes uh, from throughout the world. And it's, it's definitely worth a watch. What else have you got going on that we can, uh, and how can the the listeners sort of follow you? What's the best place to, to tap into Riley bat? <laughs> uh, you can see my crazy life. Uh, I, I will be a little bit more active on social media, Instagram uh, mainly, but um, yeah, uh, pop in, say good day. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear what you what you think of this podcast. But uh, yeah, follow the gym as well, North Brother CrossFit, if you want. And um, who knows, you might see me competing in the CrossFit world soon as well. <laughs> <laughs> I have I'll no doubt that point, if, I'll see how this body if that if that's an opportunity, I have no doubt that you won't leave any stone unturned. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> but mate, I'm just looking forward to just spending. Um, uh, just enjoying the real life and again and and you know as much as the athlete life is absolutely amazing and i don't take any of it for granted sometimes it is nice just to have a little bit more of a real life where you know you can go out to for drinks with your friends or go out to dinner or go away with your friends on a weekend or your wife so i'm just looking forward to doing that i know i've got plenty of time to do that uh, when i'm older but i just wouldn't mind doing it for six months now <laughs> yeah i completely understand speaking of instagram we're going to jump on instagram live and i will put your tag in the show notes for this episode so anyone that's listening to this it'll go on to my instagram tv as well so they can watch it later for a bonus question and riley has no idea what the bonus question is going to be about <laughs> but before we uh, do the final wrap up is there anything that uh, you would like to say to the listeners or anything that you want to ask me oh geez that's a tough one robo that's the tough one <laughs> all right look just i just say to the, the the listeners obviously um 
thank you for, for anyone who's been watching and um, and following Paralympic sports. It, it, it means it means a lot to us. You know, we're not in it for a sort of um, well done or you're an inspiration. We're in it because we are c- competing and we want to be the best version of ourselves. So, uh, you know, if we're if we're motivating any any kids out there or anyone with a disability, I should say as well ability or disability we've we've done our job so uh yeah thanks very much for your support and you know australia is such a world leader in 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 supporting paralympians so thank you riley you're a legend you're a and you're an inspiring role model even though you don't do it to be inspiring but you ooze the the passion and the enthusiasm and you ooze living life to the fullest keep shining your impactful light to the world my man thanks robo there you go. What a genuine legend. Make sure you follow Riley on Instagram or Facebook at Riley Bat. And if you're in his neck of the woods, make sure you check out his CrossFit gym and let him know that you heard us on the podcast chatting together. And also, wherever you're listening to it, take a screenshot on your phone and tag us both on social media. We'd love to hear who is listening to it, where you're listening to it, what value you got from it, whatever you want to do when you tag us. And if you did get a lot of value from it or any of the other episodes, as always, please feel free to share the love and uh, share the podcast around with any family or friends who you believe will also get a lot of value from it. Keep thriving, legends. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.